0: Hey, everyone. Welcome to the industry show. I'm your host, Nitin Pajaj, and joining me today is Dave Kinnear. Dave, welcome on the show.
1: Hi, Nitin. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: Pleasure is all ours. So let's get started with the big question. Who is Dave? Uh
1: So I've spent seven decades trying to figure that out. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Let me just share a little bit. Um, On the personal side, uh, I married my childhood soulmate. Wow. And just last month, we celebrated our 53rd wedding anniversary.
0: Wow. Congratulations. Uh,
1: well, thank you very much. But it's all on her. I married a <laughs> saint. <laughs> so uh, we have two grown children. Our daughter, our son-in-law, and our grandson are out in the Boston area. Our son and daughter-in-law are in the Chicago area. And the good news is we're going to enjoy having them out here for a week at the end of this month. So we're excited about that. Nice. And I, um, I spent uh, 32 years in the semiconductor business on the professional side. And they um, all big companies that you probably have heard of. I started out at United Technologies, then went on to Fairchild Semiconductor,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and then to Advanced Micro Devices, and then finally I moved out here to California in 91 to go to work for Toshiba America Electronic Components. So it's been a long career. I've done everything from electronics engineering and design uh, to purchasing, sales, marketing, branding. ERP installations and operations. So uh, a long varied experience it was wonderful.
0: So you've been there before these things were quote unquote cool. And
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's true, it's true. And uh, my undergrad degree was uh, electronics engineering. Mm-hmm. And back in the seventies, it was not normal for engineers to get an MBA I usually continued on in engineering. But I, for some reason, decided yeah, I'm more interested in the business side of things. So I went back to school and, and got my MBA. So in a nutshell, that's personal, professional education.
0: Well, in, in one word, you've been a trendsetter, so.
1: Perhaps, so. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, not perhaps, you have been, and uh... So so tell us, what do you do now?
1: So I left the corporate world in 2002 and uh, went out on my own. I established a company with the um, very unimaginative name of DBK Associates. (laughs) And uh, it started out as a management consulting firm. Mm -hmm. And then quickly I learned about um, Vistage, number one, and then I learned um, that really what I enjoyed doing was coaching and mentoring leaders, people who wanted to grow um, in their business, but also in their leadership. Mm-hmm. So I spend my time putting together groups of business owners. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Vistage, but mm-hmm. um, in a nutshell, that's what we do is independent uh Vistage chairs is we put together groups of business owners for higher executives and um, the non-competing industries Mm -hmm. to help each other as a peer advisory board. And then I do a lot of one-on-one coaching as well. And in terms of giving back to the community, I spend a lot of time doing pro bono work at the universities here. So Cal State Fullerton, the Center for Entrepreneurship, I help them with their business incubator clients, as well as uh, I also work in the classes with the student teams that are put together to do some consulting. So that's what I do to give back to the community. It's very interesting, very challenging, and it keeps me (laughs) young. (laughs) those kids are a challenge they are wonderful so anybody that tells you our young people are shiftless and don't care and don't want to work not true they're very very good entrepreneurs all of them
0: i agree and obviously i've heard of this stage i haven't been personally associated but know lots of people that talk really really positive reviews about the organization and then of course, uh, Cal State Fullerton, uh, we just had Anil Puri on the show and uh, mm-hmm. shout out to JJ and yeah. uh, the wonderful work that team is doing there. Uh, tell us about, you know, in, in terms of the, uh, the audience or the ideal customer for DBK, you know, who would that be? And also in terms of the, the geography or the, the amount of uh, industries you serve as a uh, i guess as a customer base
1: right that's interesting and the pandemic has changed things all yeah. I'll let you know what's new and exciting um you know me to the ideal client for any business coach any executive coach is someone who is self aware who understands they need to look deeply at their own values um, and check whether they're living their life to those values um, and is willing to learn from others. They don't have to be the smartest guy in the room, so to speak. Their their ego is in the back pocket. You you never get rid of your ego, but it's in their back pocket. It's not ego forward for them. Mm -hmm. So that's the best client until the pandemic hit. Mm -hmm. um, Orange County was more or less my um, geographical base. The reason for that is doing one-to-one in-person coaching sessions for Mm -hmm. the Vistage clients, members, um, as well as getting the group together for physical meetings. What I learned and what they learned During the pandemic, was, you know, video conferencing works just fine. And so uh, now I have members in Florida, members in Wisconsin, members in Arizona, members north of LA, and then also my core group that got started. um, And I've been doing this for now 15 years. So um, that core group. Uh, is really still here in orange county but i've made it pretty clear to them that if i jump on the five and the traffic is backed up i'm going to be getting them on the phone and say convert to zoom
0: <laughs> i love how you said wisconsin and north l.a in the same breath
1: <laughs> yep, <laughs> yep that's classic Southern all over the place, place. <laughs> yep it's all over the place <laughs> and The industries are varied. What's interesting to me now is I'm thinking through, I'm not sure what I'm going to do with this, but we make sure that we do not have um, any competition in the group. Uh, so there's no competitors. People are in different industries. Um, and we do that on purpose. We We don't want there to be any conflicts because everything has to be confidential and we need to share everything so i can't have a customer sitting at the table if i want to talk about i need to raise my prices (laughs) so uh but now i'm thinking about well gee what if i had two construction companies sitting at the table but one's construction on the east coast and one's construction on the west coast and they don't compete right so not sure what i'm going to do with that but i'm thinking about it
0: I, i love that idea and you know You know this better than anyone else, that uh, someone who's going through the challenges or has those questions, and then you have another person who may have given it some thought, or maybe a few steps behind this other person. It's a good breeding ground for that brainstorming.
1: Oh, totally. I I totally agree. And Vistage recognize that too. And uh, several years ago, they did put in uh, what I call affinity groups, they're calling them networks. So that, as a member of the construction industry, I can join the construction network mm-hmm. and talk to other Vistage members that are in that industry. They're not in my group, but they're in that industry. So if I have questions, I can I can put them forward in that group and brainstorm in the group. So it's it's really good. So yeah. Looking. Looking forward to seeing how this grows. It's gonna be a challenge.
0: A challenge, but an exciting one.
1: Right. Yeah.
0: So talking about challenges, uh, let me ask you as a business, uh, what's the biggest challenge you're facing?
1: Well, actually, I just named it, You know, trying to convert this to a, um, what I call a remote or some people call a virtual group. Mm-hmm. I don't like calling it virtual because it's real. It's not virtual. <laughs> Where you, we get to real issues and real discussions. So for me, it's um, it's a digital group or a remote group. Right. Um, and, and so the challenge is going to be working with Vistage because their systems are not set up to do this. Mm-hmm. So when I try to add a member in Madison, Wisconsin, uh it's like what are you doing this is outside your region (laughs) nobody knows how to handle that so i have to educate everybody as i go along and then the other issue is learning how to add value all the time Mm -hmm. in this remote environment um it's surprisingly straightforward in some cases but in other cases it's not so for example i was used to maybe doing some exercises in our meetings that were physical like mm-hmm. perhaps spreading um cards with images on them on the table mm-hmm. and asking people to select an image and tell me what it means to them right. that's kind of difficult to do so i'm i'm uh, finding new exercises to do in the remote um area in the, the remote environment mm-hmm. and um I'm leaning on the team I'm saying, Hey, you know, what do you guys think? What should we do? And, uh, right now they're all kind of addressing the same thing. We're all looking at, are we going to be bringing people back into the office? 100 mm-hmm. percent, is it going to be partial? What are we doing? Right. Right. So that's, um, it's a common issue right now for everybody.
0: Yes. And, uh, you know, challenges also bring opportunities, and you did refer to at the start of our call that you know your geography has increased. Are there any additional or you know along those lines opportunities that uh, you are specifically targeting? Uh,
1: yeah, and the opportunities are uh, besides just um, being geographically diverse now. That's in itself a big enough opportunity. But the opportunity to explore how do we um, maximize this environment mm-hmm. and make it work, not just for Vistage, for my group, right. but for my individual coaching, because I now have coaching clients that are, and I actually always have had really remote people. Started out doing phone work and then went over to uh, video conferencing very quickly but also for our uh, clients, they're looking at how, to, how are we gonna do this? What kind of workspace are we gonna have where everybody can um, be in the same space and work collaboratively? So people are looking at teams, they're looking at Slack and how are we gonna use that? I'm doing the same thing and that's a big opportunity. So I'm, I'm excited about that.
0: Yeah, it's the cool term I think is hybrid right yeah. we're trying to leverage that and find the right mix Dave, in your illustrious career think about and, and uh, you know I, i'd like to learn more from you about either a, a lesson you know things that you tried and and maybe it didn't work but you learned something from it or a success story that you're really proud of and would like mm. to share with us
1: So probably the best example of a um, collaborative environment where we had a really big success was one of our members um, was looking to purchase the company that she was a principal in. Mm -hmm. And um, the group helped her through that.
0: Mm
1: We talked about what she should be looking for, what she should be watching out for during the whole M&A process. Um, Helped her connect with a wonderful um, financial institution, a bank, Mm -hmm. a regional bank here. I won't mention any names, a really good bank. And um, the deal fell through. But the deal fell through because the owner of the business really didn't want to sell i mean that was the bottom line but the members said but now i've decided i want to be on my own and so now we're helping her through her startup it's a little touchy she's sure. going to be in the same industry so um we're trying to guide her through okay don't step on any toes <laughs> be careful how you do this yes. and uh it's a huge success story they're up in less than 6 months wow. they're making revenue and um profit is thin but they're they are got some top line and um i'm fully expecting that by the end of this year they will be very profitable so it's a wonderful story in terms of success from uh, what looked like an opportunity then looked like a disaster, but turned out to still be an opportunity.
0: That's a beautiful story of, you know, not just a peer group coming in and helping each other out, but also helping someone realize what they really want to do.
1: Right, and the perseverance on her part. Yes. Um, You know, it was not an easy uh, row to hoe Mm-hmm. And the the bank that she connected up with in order to buy the existing business just said, no, we don't care. You're starting your own business. We're your bank. Wow. So That's they're amazing. helping her out.
0: You know, this, this journey of ups and downs we talk about as entrepreneurs, you know, it's not all beds of roses, but just before you even get started, having to go through those motions, right. uh, I think in a lot of ways, it's a good thing because it only... Forms up your resolve, right, and makes you even more committed in, in many ways.
1: Yeah, totally true. That's one of life's lessons.
0: Yes. We're talking about life's lessons. Let's uh, get some from you. We would love to get some of these one-line life lessons from you, and uh, you know things that we can learn from, act on, and make them our own. So share mm. some of your wisdom with us. Well,
1: let's start with the one you just put your finger on, okay. which is adversity. I love the one one line yeah. uh, life lesson that smooth seas, uh, skilled captain never made. <laughs> if, we good, <laughs> if, if we don't have some adversity, we're not going to learn. And, uh, you know, I can tell you from... First-hand experience as a sailor, at times I learned the most about what I had to do, what my boat was capable of was when we were in really not good weather. <laughs> we used to sail back in New York, we were on the Great Lakes, you know, we used to sail on Ontario. Uh-huh. And I can tell you that's sometimes it's just gorgeous, smooth sailing, but sometimes it's a panic. <laughs> it's- That's that's one of my life's lessons. I think another one that's personal for me, and I don't know if anybody else wants to adopt this or not, but in my life, I figured out what works for me is to understand the universe is uh, indifferent. The universe doesn't care whether I make it or don't make it. It's not trying to kill me, but it's not trying to save me either. And it's all up to me, so um, that's giving me some direction in my life that says, hey, if, if you're going to do this, you're going to have to do whatever it is um, on your own. And by that, I don't mean by myself, sure, because I sure always have people around me that are are helping me, mm-hmm. but you have to decide, take the initiative that this is the direction you're going to go in. Life isn't going to hand you the success. Yes. You've just got to do it on your own.
0: So. And I think that's a very important realization on on many different fronts. You kind of started off with you don't know if, if other people have this perspective. Tying this back to what you started off with initially about ego, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think this plays into the ego aspect and also the the series of decisions that we have to make to decide where we are going to go the universe is there right what we right. make of it and how we navigate through it is up to us so i i love what you said and how you put it together
1: yeah and that served me well uh, once i figured it out it took me a while <laughs> um but once i figured it out i realized oh i did it so Going back to the sailing, what I like to say is if I'm out sailing and I fall overboard, the ocean doesn't care if yes. I can swim. True. And if I am out sailing and I fall overboard, the ocean doesn't care if I can swim. Mm-hmm. It's just whatever it is. Yeah. <laughs> so
0: I, I like that. As scary as that analogy is, I love it.
1: It works. <laughs> it works. I think one of the other things that goes along with that is uh it took me a while to figure this out too as a leader Mm -hmm. but i think most leaders understand this one way or the other human beings are tribal animals Mm -hmm. and they're going to respond accordingly (laughs) so if that means they're going to do something that keeps them in the tribe even though it's against your values or where you wanna go, that's what they're gonna do. They're gonna keep themselves in the tribe. They're gonna avoid being thrown out of the tribe True. because to us, from evolutionist point of view, if I'm out of the tribe, I'm dead. Yes. Because the tribe is what keeps us all Protect. working together yeah. and surviving. Yes. And so we each, if we think about this, belong to several different tribes. And work is one of them, wherever we're working. Um, You probably have a spiritual community. That's another tribe. You probably have a neighborhood tribe that you belong to. And we do what we have to do to be in those tribes and stay in them. That taught me some lessons Mm -hmm. from a leadership point of view about when I'm thinking about making changes and how the changes are going to go through the organization. Thinking about it from a tribal point of view, how do I make sure I keep the tribe together and all working in the same direction? Because if somebody feels like they're gonna get thrown out of the tribe because of this change, it isn't gonna happen.
0: Yeah, you know, that's that's a very, uh, how do I put this? It, it started spinning a lot of questions in my head, mm-hmm. especially in terms of, you know, there is. There's that persona that wants to stay as a, as a part of that tribe. And then there's obviously this other persona that wants to be that lone ranger right? yeah. who could care less, who, who in fact wants to be out on his or her, her own, nothing right. wrong with it, but there are those personas as well. How do you, you know, in, in that thought process, how do you think about both of these uh, personas and the implications or do you?
1: Yeah, I do. And, and you're right. It's a dichotomy that you have to kind of think through, um, in this country, part of being in the tribe of the United States yes. is rugged individualism, you know, doing your own thing. Um, but if you look around, You realize that people, they may not say it unless you kind of drag it out of them, Mm -hmm. but they realize they're not in this alone. They didn't get to where they are without help from other people. Yes. And I remember back in one of my economics classes talking about, um, if I remember how this went, the professor handed out a bunch of simple lead, pencils, Mm -hmm. wooden pencils, Mm -hmm. you know, with a rubber eraser on the top. And said, okay, your job is to manufacture this pencil and show me how you're going to do it. Well, it's not too long before you learn, well, I don't know how to do that rubber (laughs) eraser. I don't know how to do that brass knurl. I don't know how, how do you get lead inside a wooden, and it's not lead, by the way, it's graphite, and you you all of a sudden as a student realize, I can't go into this business by myself, I have to have some people, I have to have some suppliers, so it's always been uh, in the back of my mind that, yeah, I might be an individual that has perseverance and I've got a goal and I'm going to drive to that goal, but I can't do it by myself. I have to have other people around me. And so to go back to the tribal thing is, I can't be so much of an individual that I get myself thrown out of the tribe because I don't appreciate everybody else. Yeah. And so it gets to be critical. It's pretty critical to understand that balance.
0: Yes. And thanks for sharing that that's very valuable and i love that example of how does a pencil get made yeah you <laughs> take it for granted
1: you do. you come into your office in the morning and you flick the light switch and you expect the electricity to be on the lights to be on your computer to be working the network to be up you ever stop to think about the people that you know so when when you're told as a business owner business leader you didn't do this on your own it's not an insult it's not telling you you didn't have initiative you didn't have the idea it's telling you you have a team around you don't dismiss that team learn to appreciate it
0: yes it's a very important lesson
1: i agree the other thing that's kind of part of that too is speaking of the initiative is i don't know uh if you read Uh, think and grow rich? Yes I have. Yes I have. Do you you remember his whether you think you can or you think you can't you're right. right. (laughs) So and that goes along with um, if you think you can remember you're going to need to put that team around you because you can't it's just you've got to get the team together get them all on the same page get them inspired, have the right vision that uh, you can fulfill whatever dream it is you're trying to fulfill. So I always try to remember that lesson as well. And then the one that Vistage really brought home for me that I would share with anybody and ask them to consider is, look, no one of us is as smart as all of us. Yes. And as long as you can remember that, it'll help you keep your ego in check. And it'll help you um, build a team around you that hopefully has skills you don't have that can add to your goal, whatever it is you're trying to achieve. And um, as a team can work together. The way I like to think about that is I'd much rather be on a championship team And on a team of champions.
0: I love that. I love how you put it. And that in itself is a lesson.
1: Indeed. And it's not mine. (laughs) It came from, uh, I think Coach Wooden might've
0: said that. Yeah. And you know, the one thing about these uh, one-line life lessons is we don't care who said it. It's about who adopts it and Who makes it their own and makes whatever impact it is that they're trying to create right and uh, that's why we don't do attributions with these it's out there for people to take and make them their own
1: right and i would agree with that although because i do some writing i do like to give attributions when i'm putting it in writing i don't want people to think it's mine when it's not true but that's it so let me turn the tables on you. Okay. Why do you do this? This is wonderful. I love it. And what what drives you to do this? What's your why?
0: Well, you answered your question. It is amazing. It is wonderful. And for me, it's, it's a very selfish and curious journey. Uh, when I came to the U.S. in 2007, I was very pleasantly surprised with the success of the Indian community. And that led me to do my doctoral thesis on immigrant entrepreneurs. And I realized two things. One, that this is something I'm really passionate about. And two, I don't want to do this within the academic constraints. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And that's where the show was born. And over the years, as we've learned, connected and gotten feedback from our audience, from our guests, we have arrived at this uh, format and the one line life lessons really came from this uh, realization that when we have these conversations there is a lot of wisdom that is being shared however we are all busy and you know there is a lot of uh, you know things coming at us and uh, a lot of different kinds of stimuli and what's the best way for, for me to absorb this? And uh, you know, I said, well, if, if I just had something that I could look at and go, yeah, this makes sense. I wanna do this, right? And it literally came about as, as, a, as an output of a, a lazy me thinking, how mm-hmm. can I get something actionable? And that's how the one line life lessons were born.
1: So I think it's great. And um, well, you really hit on something. In our country, the immigrant uh, entrepreneurs are amazing. And part of it is they have a different view. Mm-hmm. There's there's a diversity of experience. Yes. You know, a lot of people talk about diversity and they're talking about cultural, ethnic. I, I look at things and say, I want Diversity of experience, because that's what's going to be innovative. And what better way to show that than some of the fantastic businesses that have disrupted so many other established businesses in the immigrant community? And and again, that diversity shows up in our schools, right? In Cal State Fullerton, for Mm -hmm. example, the student body there is. So diverse, and the ideas are amazing They're very, very interesting. And the solutions are different because people have different experiences. So,
0: so true. And I think you know one thing that uh, you've probably picked upon is a lot of that mindset comes from focusing on solutions because the problems are a given, right? and, and the more developing an economy is. The, I think the focus on the solution tends to be higher because we already know here's all the list of things that are going to pull us back. So right. we are almost forced to look away from them and focus on how can I get ahead despite these challenges.
1: Yeah, I agree. And, and again, that's why I love working with the students because they don't know what they can't do. Yes. You know, I talk to guys been... my age and it's, oh, I tried that, it doesn't work.
0: No, I, well, I, I disagree with that uh, because I'm, I'm looking at one that does not do that and does not say that, <laughs> so I, I will contest you and I think I'll win. <laughs> I'll
1: let you win.
0: <laughs> Dave, this has been an absolute pleasure. I would love to continue having this conversation and would love to bring you back and maybe even bring some of your mentees uh, that have had these amazing success stories uh, and even stories of failure because that's one other thing we want uh, want to focus on because there's a lot of learning associated with it.
1: Yeah. I've never learned anything from what I do very well. Yes, I've always learned from when I don't do things well.
0: Yeah. And going back to your sailing example, right? There are days when you want a smooth sail and then there are days when we want to learn.
1: That's right. It's very true. And this has been a pleasure for me too, Nathan. So I look forward to it.
0: The pleasure is all ours. Thank you so much, Dave.
1: And thank you. Have a great day.
0: You too. Thanks.